listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 62 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast, where we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Son Gawain and Latham Conger III. Our guest tonight is a recipient of the Inkpot Award for Lifetime Achievement in Comics. Following nearly 15 years as an editor at DC Comics, he transitioned to a writing career and very quickly positioned himself as a fan favorite. He's a New York Times bestselling author, known best for his work on many of the highest rated and bestselling comic titles, series, and crossovers in DC Comics histories, including Batman and Robin, Green Lantern Corps, Black Adam, and Nightwing. He has written numerous original graphic novels, including House of Penance, Light Brigade, The Mighty, and The Bridge. His own adapted script for The Bridge made The Blacklist, and wrote the screen. And he also wrote the screenplay for the DC Universe animated film from 2018, The Death of Superman. Peter Tomasi, welcome to Cinemental. Glad to be here. How are you doing today? <laughs> We're good, Peter, and I'm oh, glad. Awesome. To, and I'm glad you're good as well. Good. Um, Good. And I know it's uh, I know it's late, so we're going to jump right in and suffer from consumption. Uh, Hassan, why don't you start us off tonight? Oh, man. <laughs> Pressure. I didn't watch much this week. I watched Ozark for uh, to I'm in the middle of season three now. So I started probably Sunday, Monday morning. And now I'm in the and I'm almost finished with it now. Nice. Um, and also started uh, Lupin which is on Netflix mm-hmm. when I, when I discovered that I could get a, a dub version because I wasn't reading it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what slowed <laughs> me down in the beginning. It was in, it was in French and I'm like, I, I'm not reading eight episodes or, or 10 episodes of this. You I'm going to read them. So I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know what, it, uh, in a book, the words don't move around. The words right. don't go away if you don't jump on them immediately. So yeah, it's easier reading a book than reading, uh, a television show. So they have a dub track uh, available also. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, it's on. Oh, okay, okay. On Netflix. Yeah, but I didn't. Some, some you know, of the like stuff does, those... and some of it doesn't. Yeah. You, you, it, it, um, it didn't lead me to that immediately. When I, when I first started watching, I kept looking for something. I kept looking for some kind of switchover, and I don't know. I spazzed out, and I didn't realize that you have to go into the settings and change things or whatever. Yeah. So I just got really frustrated with it really fast and, and moved on because it is once you start watching it is it, it is default in french right with uh with subtitles so right, i was right. like I'm, I'm not doing this you know i don't know how ignorant that makes me sound but i but just it's, wasn't uh, it's good to do it that day. yeah so far it's good i'm only i'm in three episodes in and it's pretty it's okay. pretty sharp it's, you know it's a pretty straightforward story but it's pretty sharp um yeah i know the basic the basic concept behind loop in three but i don't know the i don't know any of the details I used to watch the anime. There was there was a couple right. of uh, anime, uh, you know, shows on yes. Lupin, so I was interested in it for that. And it's kind of that. It's a loose, you know, interpretation of that, so it's okay. But it's live action, right? Yes, it is. Okay, it's very much so. <laughs> people, uh, people get their butts kicked pretty pretty fiercely on oh, the good. show. So, um, what else? Is it about werewolves? Yes, it is about werewolves. <laughs> okay. Uh, werewolf jewel thieves it's a, it's a real big twist on a oh <laughs> no <laughs> but anyway um uh i saw news of the world i think i told you guys that yeah um, i just watched which that. was excellent yeah that was a good flick yeah it's uh it's excellent I, I started reading the book right after that oh wow which is a good sign for me i'm like yeah i had the book for a while i kept putting it off and now i watched the movie and i'm like oh I always like book first, but now I'm like, now I'm never going to get to this freaking book. No, they, they hit the library. Go make me a library donation at this point. 
but it was that's yeah, interesting. I, so once you've once you've seen a an interpretation of it, you, do you have no interest in going back and reading the actual original? I don't. I don't. I always I always think I'm going to, but I never do. I kind of fool myself into thinking I will. I always, but I've read. I always make. I usually read the books first and then get into the movie. But yeah. I definitely missed the boat on this one. So, and I heard the book was good. So, but I, I may give it a shot. I may try to get into it at some point, but I've got so many other books that I have, you know, no clue what, what they're, you know. Yeah. You no, know, it suddenly, it suddenly doesn't, it's, it's, it's importance has shifted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was good. The book is really good so good. far though. I mean, wouldn't, if you ever got to it, it wouldn't be, probably wouldn't be a waste of your time, but I okay. get it, you know, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree. Um, I usually do that. I usually, I always want to read the book first and then I see the movie or the show and I, I enjoy it. So that compels me to read the book. And then some, a lot of, most times I'm happy, but a couple of times I've been disappointed. Like the book is oh, yeah. not, is, is inferior to the, to the movie or whatever. Um, so far, so far, not, not the case with this one. The book's pretty good. Yeah. I heard it was good. Yeah. Maybe I'll definitely hang on to it. Maybe I'll give it a shot. This lockdown's going to go on for a little while longer, so you know this, there's always this is, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm being optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> more than that. I watched my typical. I watched The Expanse. I watched uh, well, yeah. Discovery ended, so that's that's done now. I watched Wandavision, which yeah. I which yeah. I enjoyed. Oh, good. Uh, we covered that on the other show. You want to see that? And that really was it. I didn't. I didn't. Not much else. Huh? Delve too, Dad. I watched. I watched the two films that we we're supposed to right. that we we're talking about tonight. But that was. But you told me last week to exclude those, so I can't actually. Well, I mean, we just assume those. that we've all watched the movies for this week's show. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's fun to hear him say it, it every is. week. <laughs> not dissim- right, so not, I'll never not, say it again. <laughs> not dissimilarly to your uh, your your commentary about down the tube. So, <laughs> yeah. They're they're they are similar. Something is different though. Um oh boy. So uh Latham, what what did you watch like? Well, I didn't watch hardly anything, believe it or not, despite having tons of time to, which you're gonna admonish me for. <laughs> but um I started watching The Outsider and then literally the day I watched the first was watching the first episode uh my friend got me the book to read so now i'm at the same quandary do i read the book or do i watch the show, oh, the I watch the show i'm never gonna read the book the okay King, right. yeah, the, so the hbo miniseries for what's the, the what's yes. the oh, what i was, saw that what was the image comic that became a tv series that was outcast outcast never mind never mind I've never seen that. I tried oh, reading the graphic novel. I got the first volume of the graphic novel, and I, I just I, I couldn't get into it. I was just like, so I never bothered watching it either. But uh, 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 there's something one? called it was a TV show. I can't remember what channel had stars. Maybe yeah, but, uh, the star of it was uh, from Almost Famous, the one who played the boy, the Patrick Fugit, right? Patrick Fugit, right? Fugit. Um, right. Yeah, the outcast. Yeah, but, but uh, uh, Outsider was good. The the, the show was good. It was one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I think it's like HBO. It's like even like True Detective fell into this with me. Um, like I thought The Outsider, it was like eight episodes. And I think I forgot how many episodes. I think it was seven for True Detective. I think if they were half, literally cut in half, they would have been like the most compelling shows on the history of television. But I think they they, they, they just sometimes go on too long. And I think uh, both of those suffered from going a little bit too long. I think the first season of True Detective is that may be one of the best things I've ever seen in the past. 20 it was years. good, but yeah, I felt it was a little it definitely. They could, I thought they could have cut like two hours out of it, and it would have. I mean, they easily you know, could have yeah, been lean easily. and mean, but but no, I mean, look, great actors were doing their thing, so it was a good. Uh, it was good, and The Outsider, you know, was was pretty solid. So I'll probably end up just watching it and not reading the book, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'll 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 put the book in the shelf and hopefully it'll never be referenced of whether I read it or not. <laughs> I'll I'll make sure to keep I'll asking you. <laughs> Do you read Outsider? Do you read Thanks. Outsider? Do you read yeah. Outsider? Well, I don't I don't I just don't want the person that gave me the book to ask me because then I have to right. not lie to oh, them. Okay. Oh, man. oh wow. Uh, and the only other thing I watched uh, on constant loops and different just. Different times over and over the past five days was 
news bloopers. Uh, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I just t- turned on YouTube and found like the best news bloopers and they just made me laugh so hard over and over and over. And if I even try and explain some of the best ones, they're going to be lost in translation. There's, there's the BBC one where the, the BBC has to get everything perfect and they go in this 20 second countdown to their main news show and they have everything zooming perfectly with the camera and they've got the countdown music and they cue on the guy and the guy just will not start talking and he's just sitting there and the blooper goes on for 10 minutes and they keep trying to cue him and move the camera around and put up graphics and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life because they just will not start talking. And then finally he talks at the last second and you just die laughing. So that's what I watched this week was different news bloopers and human beings being right. human. And that's, that's about all, all I've right, seen. All right. So, uh, so I think we've, we've suffered enough. Yeah. So Peter, your uh, main film choice is Sergio Leone's the good, the bad and the ugly. When I start off to find somebody, I find them. I know nothing at all about that case of coins. I'm only interested in what name Jackson's hiding under now. The good. The bad. The ugly. Hey, amigo! You know you've got a face beautiful enough to be worth $2,000? Yeah. But you don't look like the one who collected. How much are you worth now? The showdown. from 1966 directed by sergio leone with a running time of 178 minutes an epic and i don't say that lightly tale of friends enemies strange bedfellows and three men searching for a hidden fortune and stolen gold set during the american civil war peter why the good the bad and the ugly because it's one of the top five of my favorite films of all time uh it's got everything it's it is it is so epic yet it's not it's not it doesn't drown in melodrama it doesn't it, it's it has everything it has something for everybody it's got action it's got pathos it's got comedy it's got melodrama it's got great music it's got great characters um it's got great silent i mean just a lot of silent wonderful moments and it's got just it's iconic. It's one of those films that when you see as a kid, it stays with you for at least forever, for at least it did for me. Cause I mean, I still remember it. It didn't come out until, um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think it hit the States. I know a lot about it. It's one of those like films I always love so much. So, I mean, I think, I don't think it hit the States until 68. And so, I mean, I, I remember literally going in its first run with my father and my uncle um, to this real flea bag of a theater <laughs> called the Astral in uh, Washington Heights where I grew up in um, New York. It was packed. I mean, it was packed. This place was, it was just jam packed with people and we literally could not sit down. It, we literally had to stand on the side of the, like it was, you know, on the side. Like in the aisle. <laughs> yep. And in, in on the side aisle and there were radiators. And I remember it was a really, it was a rainy night when we went to see it. And I remember just sitting on the, on the radiator, my father, like, you know, right in front of me. And I was kind of almost on his shoulders and my uncle was there, you know, also sitting on another radiator. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those New York things, you know, and it's, and it just, uh, yeah, and then after that, you know, you'd, you'd end up as a kid watching it, you know, on the 4.30 movie for, you know, because it's such a long movie on Channel 7 in New York. They had this thing every day at 4.30 and they'd run all these great films and, you know, films like The Great Escape and The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, those long ones, Sand Pebbles, you know, 
uh, good, the bad, ugly would take up like three days, you know, because <laughs> like I need to just be like, you couldn't wait to get back from school or, or a detention <laughs> and get to, and get back and, and get on time and watch it before, uh, you know, before dinner time, which is at six o'clock. Cause it was four 30 to six. And then there were commercials. So there was like barely any movie half the time. So, um, and it just, uh, yeah, it's just one of those films that stayed with me, you know, all the time. And, and then uh, I remember just, you know, Garth Ennis, you know, you know one of the great comic guys, uh, comic writers of our time. I'm sure he'd blush if he heard me say that, but uh, and hate me for saying something like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, we'd always, you know, we'd always talk about it all the time. He loves that film too, and it's, uh, and it, and you know, all those three actors were so great in it. I mean, Lee Van Cleef, you know, literally found a second life. Um, as an actor after getting those films and started doing like, you know, Zabata and Return of Zabata and, you know, in Spain. So he he found a second career there where, you know, it was weird where Clint, you know, found a career in the States after those films. Lee Van Cleef had to leave, you know, his mm-hmm. career, you know, was pretty good in the States, you know, solid at least as a B actor. And then, you know, he became an A-list talent, you know, overseas. Right. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, you got Eli Wallach as Tuco and the guy just steals every scene he's in. He's just so, <laughs> he's so good. And you, and there's even moments where you like, you know, when you get to see him in the church with his brother, they, when they introduce his brother in the film and it's a, such a small scene, but he just, you know, in, in such, in such very short strokes as an actor, you get all this history between these two brothers in a short period of time and what, you know, what their history is between them and the resentment and all that kind of stuff. And just, real shorthand and beautiful acting and it's yeah it's the the imagery stays with you you know that's what it boils down to there's so many great images in that film that you can't help but you know not remember it yeah so uh so funny story uh i had not seen any of the leone westerns up until almost exactly a year ago today oh geez. Uh, all I, those movies I, you watch and you didn't see those i know i know believe me it's just one hey, of those man, things you that gotta I, watch parasite come on dude <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> <clears throat> so uh so it's been about a year since i watched this for the very first time and uh i have to say uh, I enjoyed seeing it even more watching it a second time because uh, I was able to st- then watch more of the backgrounds and I could watch a little bit more of the the actual structure of the film as opposed right. to just taking it in, taking it all in for the first time. Right. And uh, watching watching Leone's command of the visuals uh, is just is absolutely beautiful. Uh, there are there are whole sequences in this film where you're you're staring at the screen and it's like I can't. It's a, you just you get lost in the actual visual of a of a single shot. It's yeah. such a, it's like you know there's a lot of movies that struggle to get one great shot in the course of an entire film, and you can watch you can watch this film, and there's easily. A half dozen, a dozen, I don't know, with that are just like more hundreds. And, and I'm not even talking about like iconic visual shots that we've right. all come to know and love. I'm just talking about a thing where you look at and just go, the, the, the amount of, of you just knew uh, how to frame a shot. I mean, even like yeah. with, the, with the widescreen, a lot of a lot of directors can't do widescreen. And see, that's the, the shame of it is, is like, you know, I, when, when I saw Good and the Bad Edgar for the first time, and imagine it, you're seeing, on, seeing it on a big screen for the first time. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, that, that's what knocks your socks off. And, and that's one of those films, like, it's almost a shame that that thing has not been re-released more. <laughs> I got to see it one more time on the big screen at the Museum of Modern Art many years ago. But um, After they did the, uh, the reconstruction? Yeah. And, okay. um, and it was great. And Eli Wallach was there, actually. Oh, nice. It was really cool. And uh, and Clint sent a special video message. <laughs> yes, uh, he's, he's he's he does that uh, pretty often, actually. Um, we uh, we actually covered uh, Once Upon a Time in the West previously with uh, with Dean Haspiel when we first started doing the show. Um, and at the time, I felt that it was uh, it was marginally a better film than The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Mm-hmm. And and I find now having 
now seen the good and bad and the ugly twice. I now feel that the good and the bad and the ugly is a better film than Once Upon a Time in the West. And I I, I have this feeling that yeah, you'll flip again once it's you gonna be whatever I have seen most recently, I'll think is the better film. Yeah. Uh but uh it, it's uh it, it's amazing to 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 sit through this film. I mean it's it's all three hours long, especially now with the reconstruction and the restored 14 minutes. Yeah. It is like you said, it covers so many different dynamics of, of the modern film, all so many different parts and angles. And it, you know, it's when you're, when I was watching it today, I almost started to feel like if this were being done today, this would be released as a limited series. Like this would be released in like three hour long episodes, right, right? You know, or it would be done as, you know, it'd be, it'd be done as a six hour series and they would have just added a bunch of more hours of filler. Right. Yeah. But uh, you, you this, you know, even though this film doesn't it's one of the most interestingly paced films because it feels all the three hours long, but you never get there's never a point where you're not interested in seeing what's happening. There's right. never a point where you're just like, all right, get on with it, get through this scene so we can get to this next bit. Yeah. Um, there are apparently two scenes that have never been recovered. Because uh, on the inside of one of the one of the laser disc jackets or one of the early DVD releases, there was a shot. It was a still of a scene with uh, with Clint Eastwood in bed with a, with a young woman. Right. And that scene has never been recovered anywhere. So that no. that's just there's there's two scenes, apparently that one and another one. This movie remains the highest rated movie on IMDb not to ever receive a single Oscar nomination. Is that right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 pretty great yeah it's, uh, it's one of those films you can't i don't even know if you can do it today because it's so tonally all over the place you know i mean it's just you know you got one second of like you're really just laughing because of the black humor of it and then you've got you know just other quiet moments of like you know death and the and the, and the prisoner of war camp and the you know, when they're beating Tuco up and the guys are outside and they're being made to play the music. And it's just, yeah, it's yep. just, it's, it's just so it's, it's, it's a tough mix to handle. And, and, and Leone does it really well. He's always able to do it well in those three, in those three films, four yeah. films. Latham. Well, <clears throat> I, I always tell people to see this, uh, whether they're a fan of Westerns or movies or anything, it's probably in my top 25 of all time. It's definitely the best Western I've ever seen. It takes every Western trope and either does it better than everyone else or turns it on its head or makes a statement about Westerns itself uh, with each, success, uh, each successive scene in the movie. I've seen a lot of Westerns. I've seen Stagecoach, Red River, Searchers, uh, True Grit, you know, Lots, lots and lots from back to my film school days when we'd study them. And I saw this last. I saw this after I'd seen everything else. Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this should be this should be the template. It, it's it's a unique film, though, even though it does it takes things from everything else and does them well. It's unique in in how it, it almost shifts micro genres as it goes along there's just suddenly horrible violence then there's a joke then there's a perfectly framed shot then there's a statement about war then it's a a buddy picture for 10 minutes it's just it, it really keeps you guessing as to what's coming next and, and not only what's coming next but how it's going to be presented to you and which of the main three characters are we going to focus on now you know, people don't talk about it enough. It's a it's a great Civil War film, especially with its constant statements on the Civil War. I mean, what I get out of it is that the world is just this playground for men and men leave nothing standing when it's all said and done. <laughs> they're greedy, they're violent. Burn they it all down. <laughs> and... And you get out of the way. And I mean, how many women are in this movie? Uh, two, three. Am yeah. I remembering right? That's including <laughs> that, that's including the one with the lost footage. That's right. That's been cut out. I mean, the, the wife, the wife at the beginning, and then the the one that gets beat up, and right? then I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's some in the 
background of these massive extras scenes, which are also not talked about enough. Yeah. I mean, the scene with the scene with the bridge. Fifteen hundred extras. It's I'm sorry. Fifteen hundred uh, Spanish soldiers were used in the making of this uh, film. I yeah. mean, that shot where they're running at each other down the bridge, and you're trying to figure out what's the battle tactic here, guys. You're running <laughs> straight at each other, and then they That's start it. like barely <laughs> shifting left, and you you can't. At no point do you not believe it's happening, but you're just like, guys, some of you guys start jumping off the bridge, man. What are you doing? It's just it's unbelievable. It's it is. that scene is crazy, yeah. And, and that that whole the whole sequence, all the war stuff, and how meaningless all these people dying and hiding in caves and just suffering, and and in the midst of all this are these three guys that technically represent good bad and ugly and they're all parts of that all three of them you know right. and there is no good you know there every, everything is just this that you have to go through everything to get is great <laughs> and i mean it's the only badly dubbed movie <laughs> that i think is a masterpiece and that i can recommend and not even talk about it i mean i'm talking about it because we're on a movie podcast but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about the lines that don't match up it yeah. doesn't it doesn't affect you because like steve said they're just shots in this movie of people's eyes and their faces and i don't know if he just got so lucky with the casting or the casting director was brilliant or he just Pick the three greatest people that could have starred in this, but he, he <laughs> well, you know who? Well, you know who was offered? Bronson was offered yeah. the role, and he turned it down. He was doing. And, uh, he was shooting Dirty Dozen. Uh, yep, and he didn't do it, and he regretted it. And then when Once Upon a Time in the West came along, he said, "Okay, I'm doing this one." Because he saw how much it, it hit for Clint. But of course, Once Upon a Time in the West didn't hit like it, like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly did internationally. So right. Bronson didn't get that that juice from that film that he was hoping to get but he's great in that um, too. i'm sure he would have been you know good in this too but he would have yeah. they you got three a pluses anyway and you know it's just it's it's hard to explain to people who haven't seen it you can say all the things you want about it but it's a fast long watch i mean how it's three hours right yeah the, the restored version is just a a few ticks under three hours um, yeah i mean it it flies your your eye you're never bored you're never wondering you know when is this going to be over you want it to keep going and then you get to the achingly long suspenseful scene at the end and uh, you you know what you're looking for you've been waiting to see this graveyard and then there's a sprawling shot of the graveyard and you're like, holy fuck, that's a lot of graves, man. How the fuck are they going to find this shit? And <laughs> that just makes you like extend it even longer in your head. And you're just, it, it, it just, it, it's like it is truly a roller coaster with every conceivable loop, turn, bank, downhill, uphill, everything. It's, yeah, it's, it's that's a great description. And there's a great, a, there's a great documentary. Did you? Sad Hill Unearthed. Yeah. Yep. I was going to talk about that later. Oh, cool. I didn't know about that, but it's uh, like I said, it's in my top 25 all time movies. I've seen a lot. And if you've never seen it, uh, it's a must watch. Absolute must watch. Hassan. Such ingratitude after all the times (laughs) I've saved your life. One of my favorite lines (laughs) of any movie. Um, uh, this one falls in the category yeah. of uh, of Jaws yeah. again, an alien. It's not a. I can't really. Never have I seen so many men. It's a good movie. <laughs> Thanks for stopping. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know when you- there was no, there was really no bigger fan of uh, the nameless stranger uh, uh, genre than my mother and my uncle. So, you know, before the cable days came along, uh, she found out that Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was coming on some, I don't know, some channel. 
And she was like, oh, dude, that, that's what we're <laughs> that's doing awesome. this, this evening. That's happening. And it's a combination of the first time viewing it was a combination of, of, of hype expectation because you got someone who's like telling you this is, this is a, you know, this is real Western, you know, this is a, you know, <laughs> young guns or whatever you watched in the movie theater. You have no idea what, you know, what you're talking about. And so you're waiting for all this badassery to happen as a kid. And it, even, even the reveal of Clint Eastwood, which is iconic for the time that it, that they did it, but it's kind of matter of fact, if you watch it now, because of the way everything is so visually hyped now, where he would have been like silhouetted against the sun and coming out of, you know, basically he just comes out of camera frame. You hear his voice first and then he comes out of camera frame. The, 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 the prevailing gimmick is they don't show his face until, you know, scenes later until after he's done the carnage. But at the time I was like, Oh, well, okay. You know, and it was, it, the, I remember being a kid just, the only person I knew in the whole movie, because I didn't know who Lee Van Cleef was, and I didn't know who uh, Eli Wallach was, basically. The only person I knew was Clint Eastwood. And so I spent the whole first, what, 30 minutes almost? Because that that opening shot, especially on television, with Lee Van Cleef and him killing the, the, the family and the wife running in or whatever, that's, that takes a, that's a slow burn for a kid, you know? And they're talking about... Uh, they're talking about, uh, uh, you know, getting a name and, you know, vaguely referencing something that, you know, this guy is obviously ominously looking for that this other guy is, you know, trying to stall so he doesn't get himself killed without actually giving up the information and whatever. And when you're a kid, you're like, come on, man, somebody shoot somebody. You know, it's like it's a very it's and the only reason I'm describing that experience is a juxtaposition of watching it. Again, recently, I watched it. I, I've seen the movie a bunch of times, but I watched it again this week just out of pure joy. Is the, I think, my attitude about the movie, it's really the most rudimentary story you've ever seen put to, to film. Uh, both both storylines, both the, the you know, the, the madcap Raiders of the Lost Gold, you know, kind of circumstance, along with the buddy cop, movie you know the or the or the tango and cash the two people the two buddies who hate each other you know trope um and the and the the grift of you know the 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 collect the bounty and then rescue the the uh the the inmate kind of or the prisoner situation it's the movie is all style because if you read this movie if this movie was a book and you read this it'd probably be one of the most boring books you've ever read you know, because it's long sweeping moments of dialogue, uh, all pointing, all very obvious, nothing, not, not a lot of clever dialogue, not a lot of clever turns of phrases or whatever. People you know are dead end up dying, you know, like, uh, uh, the, uh, oh man, I forgot the guy's name. The guy who, who Angel Eyes kills, like, in the next scene in, the, in his oh, bed. Yeah. You, you know that guy's dead. You know, you, there's no... There's no twists or turns in it. You know, it's like this guy's dead, that guy's dead. Or if, if, if uh, someone who's got like, so, say like the, the terrible term of plot armor, you know, some one of the, one of your heroes is about to get killed. You know, something is going to happen. That's going to, that's going to rescue such as uh, when uh, they had Blondie in, in his, in his hotel. And then the, the basically a <laughs> cannonball hits the hotel and saves and it's it's really ostentatious or whatever, but it's it's so stylistically done. It's one of the few examples of style over substance, and the style just makes the movie like so much larger than life. Like you're like like Steve said, so so many shots of like when he finds the 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 the, the, the fort, the the rebel fort when when Angel Eyes finds the rebel fort and there's the one dog running through the place and the, the, the place is ruined. He comes in in full silhouette and he's you know he's kind of surveying the situation. That's a feast for the eyes. He doesn't need to be there. A lot of the stuff that's in the film doesn't need to be there because it's extraneous. It doesn't really explain the story. It's all mood setting. But it's such a fantastic example of mood setting it's such a great example of like how you can 
even do the ridiculous, like the, the plain ridiculousness of the Union Army been riding so hard that they look like Confederate soldiers, you know? And that, that's, that, you know, it's, that's, uh, yeah. Oh, Lee, Lee. Yeah, exactly. And if you write up and they're like, poof, poof, poof. Yeah, just generally. Yeah. If you wrote that in a book, that'd be like, uh, like Steve's moment last week with the helicopter in the tunnel. You'd be like, come on. Come on. All of them, all of them are covered in gray and they, you know, they, and they look like Confederates, but it just works. It all works so well because it's a visual feast. It's like, it's like reading a book of paintings, you know, um, right from, from where Tuco, he gets ambushed by those three guys, the whole scene where he just comes over the hill and you can, and the rifle is in the, in the, the foreground aiming right at him and he just shoots him off his horse or shoots the horse and he, and he, kind of falls off which is there's a lot of that in this film there's a lot of people getting shot at and looking like they've been hit and then they're fine you know and some it, it the bullet bounced somewhere and then you know someone and, and someone else just gets up and everything is okay um and I, I don't denigrate it i think it's fantastic but all of it is just man that just looks so good it's it's not a unique circumstance. Like you'd wonder, like, okay, why did this guy? This guy's a wanted man. He's known. Like, why is he just riding across the country? He riding hard against across the countryside. Why didn't he see the guy with the rifle right in front of him? That that wasn't really in cover. He wasn't undercover anywhere. And the guy's just aiming at him, and he just rides right into it, basically. And then that's that's the that's the setup for the big uh, Clint Eastwood reveal. Yeah. I love that. And how did? Some of those shots, though, too. How did Blondie... No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. How did Blondie know to be there? Like, he know, like okay, you can argue that that's where he was coming to, to, to rendezvous. But he just... It, uh, Tuco's on this hard gallop. He gets shot off his horse. And then they, you know, they, they, they make that... They make that very hurtful remark about him being pretty in the, in the wanted <laughs> poster. And then suddenly Eastwood shows up. It's it's kind of this really wonderful, and I I, I know this sounds bad, but it, I don't mean it that way in any by any stretch of the imagination. It's this wonderful absurdity. It's just the whole film is this kind of great fantasy yeah. epic, you know, in a western setting. It's this alternate reality, and it, yeah, it's not you you dig the characters so much that you go along for the ride too. If you have any shortcomings of anything, they take you. They, you want to be with them. You want to find out what's going on with these guys. I mean, I, I still remember when you when you brought up the opening scene. I still remember as a kid, literally aping Lee Van Cleef. My mother was like, "Stop doing that." I would start. I would start. I would start to eat the way he would. Remember yes. the way he was holding that spoon <laughs> and just but, never, yeah, never, was, never, was, never, never unlocking really like, your gaze. Like <laughs> yeah. And she was like, yeah. yeah, and he's eating like a bowl of peppers yeah, like or something like that. You don't even know yeah, what he's and eating. I, I, and I like adopted <laughs> that for like five years. And my mother be like, stop. <laughs> it's that's what I'm saying. It's the, there's so much indelible. Like this is just this film is just shameless Western uh, uh, genre. You know, it's it doesn't hide from it. It doesn't run away from it. It's it's I'm gonna. I don't. I don't even know if there's thought to it. It's just such a work of art, you know. I know there's thought to it. I, I don't. I don't mean that. I don't know if he was definitely trying to do something. Yeah, I think he was um, truly magnificent. I think, he, I think he did look at it because you see, you know, building off of the first two, you saw how he wanted to. You know, it really just got more epic as. And when he hit the third one, you knew he wanted to throw the whole kitchen sink into everything and try to. Yeah, it it it's mythical. You know? The, by the third one, everything is mythical, and then we, and, and and I'm one of the few people, not not. Uh, I'm, excuse me, I'm one of those weird people who just loves a full package, and I think the, I think the name of this movie is so fantastic. Yeah. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's just so uh, it's so evocative of so many things. Like, what the hell could that be? Yeah. You know, and, it's, and it's a straightforward. Yeah, that title's been co-opted since it came out into so many different media platforms into so many different situations in real life and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a, there's a Asian movie, the good, the bad, and the weird. That's like a, you know, uh, uh, not a parody, but it's a, it's an inspiration. It's an inspired movie from this, from this film or this genre in in and of itself. 
So Steve, it's it's ironic that Steve compares this to uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West because that's another really great movie with another great name, yeah. you know, for for a film. Yeah. Um, I do I do find The Good, The Bad, and the Ugly way more iconic personally. Um, that's a that's a combination of things. That's a combination of of my mother's admiration for the film and the genre in and of itself. And that, that kind of bleeding over to me, but also like when I, you know, got older, just rediscovering the movie for myself, that you watch something when you're a kid and you're just waiting for the explosions and people to get shot and, you know, people. To, and then when you get older, you're like, I don't, I don't understand how I saw this as a child. I don't understand how I process any of this as a child, because all of this is, this is completely different monster for me. Like now, now that I know what words mean and the way, you know, what a, what a, a, a narrative and theme and all, yes. all that stuff, it, it's just a completely different uh, visceral experience. I love the movie. I've always loved the movie. I very much appreciate that, that this is, this was your movie. So I could, I had an excuse <laughs> to watch it again on top of all the other crap that I'm trying to, trying to, I'm trying to compete with Steve. I'm never oh, going to get there in 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 my uh, consumption. I'm just never going. I'm not going to achieve it. But I, yeah, this is a fantastic all the way up to the end to that and the and the, the last line in the film is my favorite line in any film. Like you know, uh, like such ingratitude after all the times I've saved your. You know, it's it's fantastic. So yeah, now it's an awesome book. I mean, I still love too the bridge scene with the when you see the amount of explosives they use, then you can see those those rocks literally like. There's like there's just that there's this one piece of rock that you literally see like like if they were like it could have taken yes. one of their heads off it's they're like you're like holy shit look how close look how fast and far this thing came from far away and it just literally went right past there there you know Tuco's there's ass a, there's a piece head. of a fist-sized piece of rock that fly yeah. or hits the bags just out the, about six inches away from where clint's head is and if you watch it in, in yep. slow, you can see the thing come whizzing through and you're just like, holy crap. Yeah. So, well, there's a scene with um, with the the when they're talking to the general and, and he's he's drinking it, you know, um, and he sends his his page off to do something. The extra goes out of the tent. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there's an explosion right in front of him. Yeah. And he hey, falls man. down, you know, and he just kind of staggers back up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I like, I don't think that was a plan. I don't think that guy knew he was about to walk into a, a you know, a, a powder yeah. pot explosion because he just he kind of falls. He doesn't even fall down dramatically. <laughs> he just kind of goes down on his knees and just slowly kind of staggers up and and just you know and lim- limbers off. Uh-huh. And it's just like, all right, I don't. It, and it works so well. I'm sure that's why they left it in there. Yeah. But it's just it's crazy. Also, one other scene that the the scene that I thought was great this time around, because I always notice something brand new. Um, when Eastwood is in his uh his hotel room and Tuco that's the scene where Tuco comes through the window mm-hmm. and the other three guys come through the door, he's he's putting his gun back together. The 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 sequence where the procession, the 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 Confederate procession stops <laughs> and it is just dead silence. And then for, you know, for no, almost seemingly no reason, again, the yep. procession starts moving again, but it doesn't alter the scene. The, the tension is still there. That Everybody's still waiting. There's still a couple of beats before. It's not like the minute those guys start moving again, those guys come through the door. And so they, they you know, they, they, they try to, to ramp up the visceral, uh, uh, you know, the kinetics with that, uh, with the procession. It's just kind of a weird like a tone moment where the procession stops so that we could have dead silence and then the procession moves again but the but the yeah. tension is still there like there, there's no payoff until like seconds later there's another fantastic that moment, moment. It's, it's not even a throwaway moment but it's like so it almost is a throwaway moment and then, you know when you watch it as a kid it's so it's so sensitive when, when they have the coffin the guy they, they put up that guy as they're marching and he's got he's a traitor or a deserter. And they shoot him, boom, and he just falls. They toss him in the coffin. Like it's like right in the midst of all this. And it's like it's so yeah. brutal. And it's just so comp- it's just so matter of fact, you know. Uh, our amazing stuff. Yeah, it's it's funny. The uh even though this was the third uh the third film uh that uh, Eastwood would do with Leone, third and final, uh he uh this this is actually a prequel to the other two. Because it's because it's in this film, you see him get his poncho and and sheepskin vest that he's seen wearing in the two previous films. Interestingly enough, 
And also the uh, the rattlesnake handled pistol uh, is one he uses in uh, uh, Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. Too bad they couldn't. Cons- it would have been interesting the Lee Van Cleef relationship if it would have been constructed in such a way that it actually was something that they knew they knew each other in some way, shape or form. Because you get a sense that they did. But, yeah, you know, obviously. And in, in in what is it for a few dollars more? I think when he's General like, Mortimer. They're, yeah, they're they're friendly, you know, to yeah. a degree, obviously. So it's it's a whole other thing but it's uh yeah and then there's the soundtrack of yeah. course which you know <laughs> you can never I, mean, I, I write i've written a lot to that soundtrack i love i write to movie soundtracks when i when i work or, or classical stuff too but i've written to that i don't know countless 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 uh times. yeah as we were talking about charles Such bronson earlier being offered the role he was actually offered the roles of tuco and angel eyes um because Leone feared that audiences would not take kindly to seeing Lee Van Keefe play the play the bad guy after the the kindly fatherly uh, Douglas Mortimer from uh, for a few dollars more. Uh, and I, as, as we discussed, he uh, declined both because he was filming Dirty Dozen. So when it comes to the bridge scene, so what happened was is uh, they were getting set up for the bridge explosion sh- shot shoot. And uh, they had set up a word to call over the radio. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and a guy accidentally said the word and the guy at the other end thought that that was the time and they blew the bridge and there were no cameras running. And uh, Leone, of course, flipped out, fired the guy on the spot. Uh, and, and the Spanish, the Spanish army, uh, the guy in charge of running all the extras for the Spanish army uh, felt so bad that he told them that they would, they would spend, they would spend the next two days or however long it took and completely rebuild the bridge themselves uh, as quick as they could so that they could, they could redo the shot all over again. As long as Leone would rehire that guy back onto the film, uh, which he did. And they did. And then, then they got the shot (laughs) blowing up the bridge. So they, they actually blew up. You know, you know that guy was su- super locked yeah, right? in the second. That time guy was around. not allowed to you touch the radio. Was was on his game. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Tuco a keyword too, instead of uh, boom or something, you know, yeah. hit it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Tuco's line, and when he's in the tub, and the guy walks in, and he's going to uh, ambush him in the tub, and he <laughs> when he kills the guy, and he says, "When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk." Yeah. Apparently that was an improvisation yeah. by Eli Wallach, <laughs> which apparently great. caused the whole crew to burst into laughter. And uh, he was surprised because he's like, well, that, that, that just makes sense. Why, 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 you know, why, why would you not say that? I mean, why? <laughs> right. You keep following me, tracking me after I blew your arm off. And now you have me right. you're blabbing away. Um, so no legit sequel was ever produced, but a treatment was actually written uh, and presented uh, with Joe Dante directing and Leone producing. And uh, they had Eli Wallach on board as well as Eastwood was interested in a narrating, a narrating role. And the story apparently, according to Eli Wallach was it would follow an older Tuco pursuing Blondie's grandson for the remainder of the gold. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Leone eventually just vetoed the idea and, and that that died a, a sad painful death <laughs> and then said I have this great movie Stalingrad I want to get through <laughs> <laughs> which was like a big epic World War II film that he was going to do with De Niro and they never they never did it so uh so was, Sad Hill uh, Sad Hill Cemetery uh was a very convincing set piece constructed by the pyrotechnic crew and not a real cemetery uh, so in 2015, a group of fans set out to try and locate uh, where it was in the countryside, where they where they where the where the where the actual thing was. And if you if you guys haven't seen it, there's a documentary called Sad Hill Unearthed from 2017. And basically, these three guys went out weekend after weekend. They they found the location, and so they thought because of the the lumps on the the, the remaining. I mean, this is now however many fifty or 30 years later whatever it is i mean the earth is you know completely retaken it and uh but they found where they thought that the stone circle should have been everything was grass everywhere and these guys went to a spot where they thought the stone circle was and they started digging and underneath six inches of soil 
they found the original stone proscenium and they proceeded to completely dig it out, completely pull every stone up, clean up, put it back, completely restore the entire place. Uh, They eventually had all these people just come out. Volunteers would come out um, to build new graves. And they were like the people who came out to work on graves could put their names on the grave markers. Uh, And the actual site is a, is a site now that you can go and visit. And if you go onto Google maps, you can see it uh, through the satellite view. You can see the stone circle and all the graves and everything around it have all been restored. Uh, It's kind of, there's a, um, it's awesome. They had a, me and my friend, me and my friend, actually, we've been told we've we've talked about it many times to to try to get there and, and and go, but we just haven't found the time. And obviously, with the the apocalypse around us, it's going to be a long time before we get. <laughs> yeah, get I uh, I stumbled upon that that documentary shortly after I I watched uh, I watched the three films last year, and uh, it was it was kind of amazing uh to watch these guys yeah. and go through the process of like you know just this basically super fans you know and they just like went out and walked around in the spot where they thought you know they had they had talked to guys who were who had worked on the film and you know they so they knew a they knew a they knew a they knew approximately where to go to look and all that kind of stuff but just kind of amazing so yeah, so that was a documentary on the on the film itself. Just on just the, the just the, on the the, 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 the restoration of the cemetery. Oh, the so they, they touch upon the film, obviously. And Eastwood has a small moment in the yeah. film. They actually, yeah, when they when they when they actually do the big dedication of the the actual site at the end, they <laughs> uh, they put a pop up screen and they did a screening of the movie there, and a bunch of people you know showed up. But like Clint Eastwood sent like a video message to everyone who was there, and of course they all freaked out. And yeah. uh, oh, anyway, Ennio Morricone, who was still alive at the time awesome. as well, was uh, also had sent uh, sent a message. So it was. Uh, What's I'm yeah, sorry. What's the name of the documentary? Sad Hill Unearthed. <laughs> All right, it's on. It was on Netflix yeah. back in the back a few years yeah. ago when I saw it. So, um, okay, it may still be on it, but it was um, definitely yeah, really great. And I remember, and I was really bummed out. I had actually had tickets for um, Morricone was he was coming. He was going to be in the states a few years ago um, to do all his greatest hits. And he fell and he broke his hip and he canceled the tour, oh. the States tour. And I was like, fuck. And then, of course, you know, he died um, recently. Yeah. And he was always saying I was, he was going to try to come back. And I was just like, man. And then when he died, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> I was looking forward to hearing that right? live. That would have been really nice. Yeah. Oh, well. So that is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Even though it's Beautiful. not really the end, is it, Lathan? Yeah. Uh, that's it's the end of the end. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not the end because we still got to go down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Fuck. So uh, so now is when we look at the uh, posters, Peter. Yeah. Um, you know, Crazy time to go where we have the sex with you. I wish, I mean, I wish to God I had a ton of money because I'd buy these posts. Like the one I remember sitting and I was working at DC Comics as an editor when I first was there. We're talking 92, 93. There was a tiny little Italian place um on like ninth avenue that we went to is cheap uh but good and the which one here the third one from france all right well we'll 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 get to it well we we kind of go through them one at a time uh just wanted to make sure you you were you were all 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 queued up uh so we start off with the usa poster which is uh this is the standard u.s release when they they finally got to the u.s of all the posters that you're gonna see this one it's the most worst. It's the worst. It's it's really the most kind of lukewarm considering the content of this film. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a it's a nicely painted, got some nicely painted images, but it gives you almost nothing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just yeah, it's that's really kind of disappointing. Um, next up is the is the French poster, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this is I couldn't get that one to open, unfortunately. So I don't know what you're looking at. 
Oh, really? It's number, it's number three. The, yeah, this, the UK quad one didn't open. Oh. But the yeah, one, you're right. The France one opened. It's got a weird yeah. symbol next to it, like a chrome. Yeah. Oh, you know, never mind. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a chrome HTML doc. Never mind. Ignore it. It was it was not all that much different than the than the U.S. poster just realigned anyway. So uh, let's go straight to number three, which is the French poster. By Google. <laughs> but you said you said it was gorgeous. And yeah, the so. French poster is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Very much. Yeah. This one, this one was hanging in that restaurant that I was saying. Ah, and it was it was a massive poster. I mean, it was the size. I mean, I can't yeah. Think- the French, the French poster. So the standard size for the U.S. one sheet is twenty-seven by forty-one, and the French one sheet is forty-seven by sixty-eight. Wow! And, and I, yeah, I remember literally looking at that, and I, I went to the guy who the man. I, I after words, I went to the manager, and I was like, "Would you be? Would we, you know?" And I was, "Would you be willing to sell that?" And he was like, uh, "You definitely cannot afford this." <laughs> <laughs> and, this was, and this was 93, 92. So, but it was that. It was. It was. It's a beautiful in, in person, and it's on this sort of like wonderful paper. It's um, super it, thin. Yeah. yeah, and it's just beautiful. And it's like, oh my god, if I had money, I would. That'd be like the, one of the first things I'd buy. Yeah. So next is the the, next is the German poster, which is uh, again arguably just uh as just as bad as the American one. That almost looks like one of those early like movie tie-in. It almost looks like a movie tie-in cover novelization. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I and I I don't know German, but uh, but zwei glorik halunken. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why is two so. I don't. I don't know yeah. what the yeah. two something somethings. <laughs> the good, um, the bad, and we drink beer, <laughs> and then we have a beer. <laughs> um, next is the Italian poster, which this is. This is a pretty good looking poster as well. Yeah, should be since Believe that's uh, <laughs> that's yeah. their that's yeah. their place. Believe in yeah. is actually really the the underlining on him on that yeah. one is great. Yeah, really nice. Uh, next is a uh, Spanish poster. Yeah. Surprisingly showcasing just Eli, Eli Wallach. Which yeah. Is very interesting. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Eastwood and one Van Cleef are like, yo, where are that movie? Tonight? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Whose name is first. You <laughs> actually, in Eli Wallach's name is second <coughs> where, where most of the times I see his name is last in some of the lineups. Right. Well, he's the ugly. Yeah. Yeah, but here it's second in the in the Spanish poster. There was some there was some uh confusion in some of the promotioning and marketing materials originally where they and even one of the early trailers where they where they actually mixed up uh Lee Van Cleef and Eli Wallach as the bad and the ugly, which calling yeah. Lee calling Lee Van Cleef the ugly, I don't I don't know where they're getting that, but uh they, uh, sure there are three guys that's right uh so next the japanese poster you know, i don't even notice that there's that little image in the middle with uh when clint's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a funny story about the cigars is uh, uh sergio always had him smoking those cigars and, and eastwood's not a smoker right. and he would always be like you better get it this time because I'm about to be sick. <laughs> where was this? Where was this Chris Weston piece from? I never seen that before. Uh, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look where he did it. If he did it for uh, if he did it for Mondo or if he did it for Gray Matter. Yeah, I, he didn't capture Eli. Eli doesn't look like there's something about the Eli one that I can't put my finger on. It just <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't look like he he looks a little squatty. Yeah. Clint looks good. Van, Van Cleef looks good, but it's, it's yeah. a cool-looking poster. Yeah, it's, it's a neat-looking one. There's there's a couple of different variants of this that were done as well on different kinds of paper and such, but uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a really uh, beautiful done image. Uh, next is a piece by Diego Tripodi, which is just like an, a really nicely designed image, um, kind, of illu- kind of Illuminati-based. Yeah, yeah. graphic. It's a triad. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And again, there were an absolute shit ton of artist posters uh, to cull through for this. And I, I really, I really called it down to uh, just a few good ones or what I felt were the better ones for sure. But there were, there was a ton of good, the bad and the ugly uh, posters out there. Uh, Next is one by Jeff Kleinsmith. I really like this one. It's a a very simple designy one, but I just, I really like the idea. Yeah, was it a Mondo? That was a Mondo one, right? I don't know. A lot of these just get done for, just get done by artists and they're just dropped onto the web. They don't yeah. ever, they're not yeah. done as official releases. Yeah. Kind of has a motif, like a, a, a symmetry with the uh, opening credits, with the, with yes. the credit sequence. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Little, uh, little referential to Saul Bass, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Uh, next is Jeremy Lord. This is great. Yeah. And you know who he, who each and every one of these eyes are. Yep. Belong to. Yeah. Absolutely. He did. This is the this is the Japanese variant. There's an uh he did an English language variant as well. Okay. I like see this. I could have seen this being a good American poster. This sound this would have been I could see them going this direction for the first American. You know? But yeah, this would have been way too cutting edge at the time though. I mean yeah, but they, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's too bad. It's too bad. They didn't. Uh... Uh, next is a piece by Craig Franco. Oh, that's what I was referring to, Craig Franco. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. The red overcast is like it's yeah. like really good. Yeah. It's conventionally wrong because it's a hot color against another hot color, but um, but it still it still works. Yeah. It still works. Yeah. I love the uh, the every gun makes its own tune line. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the end of those. Yeah, great stuff. So right. um, we do a, a short little bit called the Martini, uh, Peter, where we uh, discuss the the main film director's library and where we think uh, things stand. But I think we've uh, we've covered Sergio Leone before, like I said, but. Kind of thing, and we all kind of feel that the good, the bad, and the ugly, as now with me flipping back to it, <coughs> probably stands as his best film. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and I'm I'm trying to. Well, I've never seen a bad movie by him, so. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to track down. You should watch. It's on Prime, Latham. That that uh, my name is nobody with uh, Peter Fonda and, and Terrence Hill. You should check it out. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, it's a really interesting story that that tries to it tries to almost make the transition out of the western into more modern right film because it's kind of about the death of the gunfighter in 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 that era um it's really interestingly handled um oh. but uh and of course peter fond is great in it and uh like i said terrence hill terrence hill is phenomenal and uh, you know, lots of lots of other faces you'll recognize, um, and lots of fun stuff. Lots of lots of good stuff in that. But uh, well, I mean, even his later one, Ducky Sucker, is great. Ducky Sucker was fun. Make sure you watch the newer released version. It's 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 got the extended cut, and it's yeah, and it and it preserves his the, obviously the letterbox. So, well, yeah, watch, that, watching that in a, in a scanned version is just horrendous. Yeah, that uh, that version actually was on it was on Prime for a while for free. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's where I that's where I saw it. I watched that one actually when I when, when I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. I watched mm-hmm. Duck You Sucker as well as a as a theoretical follow up to uh, to that film. So yeah, but, well, thanks, Peter. Uh, I appreciate you uh, appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us, and uh, thanks for coming on and, and talking about movies and. Uh, if you yeah. uh if you want to get sometime down the line beautiful wonderful we'd love to have you back all right thanks yeah, peter nice, nice meeting you guys one, take one care of yourself we'll, here. i'll Thank talk you. to you soon thanks pete, hey, ask pete one question. yeah Peter, what's your you said this is in your top five what are your other top five movies or, or four movies um they kind of they kind of flip here and there but right up there's another western magnificent seven oh. um and this, all the stuff is the ones that kind of hit me when I was a kid. So when I was younger, so it made me even sort of wanted to be a filmmaker. There was the Great Escape, then there's um, Star Wars, and I think those are it, right? Star Wars, 
Great Escape, yeah. Magnificent Seven, Good, the Bad, the Ugly, and uh, what's another one? Um, I've never written them down too because they kind of stay. The first, the top ten always sort of stay fluid. I was just seeing if there's anything I hadn't seen that I would check out. So yeah, um, if you have you ever seen the Sand Pebbles? I have. Yeah, that's a, that's a great okay. movie with Steve McQueen. Um, yeah, I can't think of a. No, that's cool. Just uh, curious more than anything else. Yeah, and then I oh then I, and then I think the funny thing is I think Seven Samurai is is right up in that early. In that early yeah. zone, yeah. Good so, lord! Um, but uh, but that's it's it. funny watching that and the and the Magnificent Seven back to back and seeing all, all the subtle ways Magnificent Seven like does a lot of the stuff that uh, Seven Samurai does blatantly. Magnificent Seven does a couple of things really subtly, yeah. um, right? In in homage to to uh, to Seven Samurai, yeah. it's really both of those movies are fantastic. They are. So Magnificent Seven gets does. I think sometimes people forget how really great it is, and then with all that cast, on its own, yeah, yeah, by itself, it really is a great film. Have you ever Have you ever seen Dreams? By I did. Kurosawa. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big Kurosawa fan. I think I've seen most of his films. Okay. Uh, the uh, the the one the one segment of that of that Dreams film that I absolutely still to this day absolutely love is the. Uh, is the uh, the fox's wedding the opening yeah. that that opening segment is just yeah. still to this day one of my favorite yeah. things yeah. ever Amazing. yeah so all right buddy good all talking right. to you thanks I'm again walk, i'm gonna go walk tucker and we're out beautiful thanks pal <laughs> thanks, talk to you soon you. good night everybody stay Peter. safe thank you thanks same to you yeah Thanks to Fesleyan Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download, subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, Peter Tomasi, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. As always, in the words of our friend and man with no name, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Pretty <laughs> 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 good. <laughs>